Our next speaker, many of you haven't had the chance to meet yet, uh, but uh, we're very happy to have him join the organization. Uh, this is Andy McKay, our Director of Player Development. Good morning. I appreciate you having me here. Uh, we'll talk you know, briefly on what we've been doing in player development over the past three months, and then uh, obviously we'll take as many questions as we have time for. So over the past, uh, really since I got hired here, uh, three months or so, uh, the majority of my job has been focused on putting a staff together. Uh, we've had a tremendous amount of turnover in player development, so we've been doing a lot of hiring and uh, trying to put people in the right spots so that they can uh, best serve our players. Um, along with that, um, trying to create process and systems that we can implement and hold our, uh, hold our players accountable to, as well as uh, hold our, our development staff accountable to. So that's really been the majority of, of how my time has been spent. I think when you look at you know, trying to develop a, an impactful major leaguer, uh, the first thing that we're gonna try to do is re redefine that and what it really means. Um, you know, people are gonna get to the major leagues just based on, uh, they have to. You know, there's injuries, there's need, and people are gonna get there. Uh, but we're trying to develop impactful winning major league players. And that's a, that's a big difference. And, uh, you know, to do that, we've kind of created, you know, kind of four cornerstones that we'll be working off of. Um, and in no particular order, because, uh, you know, everybody brings different skill sets when they come in. Um, but character is a big part of it. You know, character does count and character does uh, impact wins and losses at the major league level. And, you know, we will have a, a formal process for developing the character of our players. Uh, you know, we believe that better people make better Mariners and, and it helps you win baseball games. Um, <clears throat> two, they have to know how to play the game. Fundamentally, they have to be able to do, you know, the basic skills of their job. So. Uh, develop their, their character, develop their baseball skills. Three, uh, they have to learn what it means to truly compete. And that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Um, I think a lot of the definitions are, you know, quite frankly, they're just kind of uh, uh, eyewash. Um, but we will have a, a Mariner way of competing and what it truly means uh, to compete one pitch at a time. And then fourth, uh, you have to develop the team concept. Um, this is a, a team game that's built around a, you know, an individual one-on-one -on -one confrontation between a pitcher and a hitter. And we have to teach players how to play as a team and how to compete as a team and how to basically surrender themselves to the, to the good of the team. So, you know, between character and fundamental, um, competing and, and being a, a teammate, uh, those are kind of the four prongs that we'll be um, kind of working everything through those four. Um, you know, and additionally, we're trying to, we understand that the player development system is kind of right smack in the middle of, of all of the operations that exist between um, scouting and the major league process and, and anal analytics. And so really trying to create a, a process that allows communication in and out. And with the ultimate goal being, you know, when. Uh, the vision that I've always that I've talked about and that I'm trying to get into our, our our staff members to understand is when a team comes into the Safeco field, you know we want to play our organization against their team, and if we can do that, then we've we've tilted the advantage into our hands. And what I mean by that is, if you can you can harness the cumulative power of your organization, meaning your scouting group, 
your training staff, your strength and conditioning people, your, your pitching coach in Clinton, if you can harness it all together into a usable, cohesive unit, now you're truly an organization. And so when a player throws a pitch in Safeco Field or, or a hitter takes an at-bat in Safeco Field, he's really representing the entire organization, and the entire organization has improved that player to the best of their ability. And if you can do that, uh, you have a chance to tilt the field in your favor because, again, you're playing your organization against a, a one particular team. So that's, a, that's another huge theme we've had um, in player development so far. So I think that's kind of a, a brief summary of what we've been doing, and uh, I'd be more than happy to take your questions now. Andy, how, how hands-on do you personally plan to be? Are you going to rove the system? Are you going to put a uniform on? Are you going to... I would, plan, I would like to be as hands-on as, as you can possibly be. I will have a uniform on. Um, when, I, when I'm traveling, I'd like to be in the dugout. I'd like to be out there for early work. Um, I consider myself a coach. And uh, so, the, yeah, the uniform will be on, and I'll be in the dugout. And um, I think that's the way I can best impact our coaches and our players. Andy, I think I, I can understand how it might be easier to uh, teach uh, the baseball, the complete player, the team concept difficult is it to teach character or do you have to have a certain amount of character before you ever get there? Oh, well, yeah, clearly. I mean, the, the, the better people that our scouting group brings in, it makes the job easier. But, you know, there, there are plenty of examples out there of people that are developing character. And, and we've tapped into a lot of those already. I think I've had a, a fair amount of success doing it at the college level and the professional level. Uh, I've seen the, the the transformation of some kids. And, you know, it really comes down to the culture. You know, the culture is the single biggest um, influencer on somebody's behavior and character. And if we can create that type of culture, the kids will come in and, and they will be changed by that. Uh, I, I would never say it's easy to do, but it can be done and, uh, and we will do it. Andy, when we see at the AAA level, even the major league level, with uh, compared to 20 30 years ago, <coughs> young kids, key players come up pretty quickly. You, second attribute you mentioned was fundamentals. And you see a few players here and there all the time who really need work there that maybe others don't. How do you manage that? How do you, how do you work on that at the same time yeah. players are moving up quickly? It's difficult. And, you know, I would like to think that, you know, when you, when you think about developing a player, there's always going to be needs that are going to be challenging you and wanting to push that, that player fast. And you have to keep in mind, if you move this player at this rate, do you have enough time to develop the character that's going to be needed to sustain the success at the major league level? You know, has he had any adversity at the minor league level? Because if the adversity comes for the first time at the big league level, uh, you, you, you've got a big project on your hands. So hopefully we'll have, you know, I guess the the answer would be you'd, you'd have enough talent in the system so that you're not having to push people out of need, and therefore you can just move people when they meet the benchmarks that you've set forth at each level for them to move. Um, and I know the world's not perfect, so it doesn't always work that way. But it's having that understanding that it takes time to develop a winning major league player that can sustain it over a career. And if you rush that process out of need, you're probably going to pay for it at some point. On the mental skills side, What's that going to look like on a daily basis? Will there be programs, requirements, expectations? Good question. Um, it, it'll look like, um, in my mind, we're trying to take mental skills 
and, and not make it a, a side session where we go into the classroom to do mental skills. There, there's time for mental skills in a classroom, but it becomes embedded into everything that you do. And you can whittle mental skills down just to the basic concept of paying attention. And so that when I'm doing a drill, my mind is completely consumed with that drill and the rest of the world is, is gone. And you teach it through textbooks, you teach it through classroom settings, but most importantly, you teach it by your coaches bringing it to life into everything that you do by constantly reminding those players and bringing their focus back to the present moment and what's happening to them right here and right now. And if you can do that, if you can train that way, then it should translate into performance because when a, when a pitcher's on the mound in Safeco Field, when he's pitching well, uh, all of the thousands of distractions disappear. And the only thing that exists is him and that target that he's trying to throw a baseball to. But you have to practice it in that mindset so that you can try to, try to access that man mindset during competition. So it'll, it's a huge part of what we do. It's, it's what I consider to be my expertise. And uh, it won't be a, a side station. It'll be thoroughly implemented into everything that we do. And that will involve you training your coaches to convey what you want to be conveyed? A lot. You know, I, I've, I've had a lot of success at it. I've had, I've had a lot of failure with it as well. Um, but I've learned from those failures. And I think that I can create a, a process um, and I can simplify it so that people that are afraid of, of sports psychology, that are afraid of mental training, won't be afraid of it. And um, I, I feel real confident in our ability to do that and get that across to our staff members. And he was talking with Edgar, and he talked about that kind of hitting some at minicamp that you guys had a little bit ago with some of the younger guys in there. Can you kind of walk us through what that was, the intent of that? Yeah. What do you hope to gain from it? The, the hitting summit was tremendous. And um, beyond the, the summit itself, it was just the, the concept that you had a, a major league manager, you had a major league hitting coach out there in the cages with guys that had played in, in Clinton and Everett. And that really, it, it, to me, it goes beyond, we're not just talking about communication, we're not just talking about being a team, we're actually living it, and, and Scott Service believes in that. And so we basically, we brought uh, key staff members together, we brought, uh, I believe, 15 of our players in, and we, we had a lot of chalk talk. We, we sat in a conference room and put a lot of things up on the wall. We were out on the field each day, and really just trying to begin putting into their heads what we're going to be about uh, how we're going to measure them, um, how we're going to train. And we wanted to have a little bit of a head start so that when we get to spring training, we've got some guys at each level who have some understanding of it and can help us uh, spread the word. It, w it was a tremendous week. Uh, the players uh, provided us with some really good feedback. I was really impressed with the coaches who I hadn't got to see. Uh, working with Edgar, Elvin Davis was phenomenal. And his ability to not only his, the content of his thinking, but his ability to connect with players uh, is tremendous. And uh, I was really happy to see that. You think the message was lost? I mean, obviously you didn't know what was going on before, but having kind of a cohesive message throughout the organization from your big league hitting coach down, do you think that's important and was lost oh, at it, times? It, well, I, I'm not going to comment on the past because I wasn't here, but in, in terms of it's important, it, it's everything. You know, and that's where communication comes into play that you have a major league staff that's using the same terminology that your minor league staff is using, that your scouting group is using. Uh, common language is probably the, the, the most obvious result of a strong culture. And when you, when, you know, for example, you can use the term um, 
load your hands as a hitter. Well, if I had 20 hitting coaches, I'd probably get 20 different definitions of what that means. And we have to have one definition with some flexibility within that definition for people to be individuals, of course. Um, so it, it was great. And there was a question over here. Yeah, um, getting back to the point of um, the, when you, a guy is rushed to the big leagues and, and if that happens, like you said, you, you have a major project on your hands. Coming in as, as a new front office, how do you address those situations if they arise and kind of try to get that player back on, on a track to, to maybe backtrack and, and try yeah. to get salvage, you know? Yeah. Well, again, the world is not perfect, and things happen. And, and sometimes people are forced to move maybe faster than you'd hope they would. And I don't think there's any process or system that will completely alleviate that in all situations. But uh, when, the, when it does occur, um, you know, my first um, teaching point has always been to educate. And, you know, when, when people uh, hit failure too often, they think it's final, and they think this is the last chapter of the book. And it, it's, it's more about reengineering their thinking, saying, no, we're, we're still in the very beginning of this book, um, and we're not done writing yet. And then you start giving them the endless examples of, you know, the players who have struggled at the major league level and gone back down before having a tremendous career. And just the other day, I sent an email out to our guys about Roy Holiday you know, who still to this day owns, owns a record for the highest ERA of a pitcher in the major leagues uh, before he got sent all the way back down to A-ball and became Roy Holiday. And there's just endless examples of that going on. Um, so you, you, you have to get the, the, the player to understand that this is not the end and that plenty of people have done what you're going through right now and at the end it's going to make you better. And uh, um, I feel confident we'll be able to get those guys over the hump. Eddie, how did you end up with the Mariners? Good question. Um, <clears throat> the, the bottom line is I, I coached Scott Service's kid, and uh, I was in the Northwoods League. I like, I like to remind Scott that he's from Wisconsin. I used to summer in Wisconsin, and um, my number's retired in the state of Wisconsin. His is not, which is kind of mind-boggling. It's a nice joke we have. But uh, I was coaching the Northwoods League, and I had uh, – uh, his, his son Tyler was on our team, and uh, Scott was working for the Angels at the time, and uh, we became buddies. We, you know, instantly hit it off. I picked his brain constantly. I would have him talk to our team constantly, um, and we, we developed a relationship very quickly where he could give me feedback on, on my coaching in a way that I liked it, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that relationship started there, and... Uh, <clears throat> He had tried to hire me with the Angels, and I chose to work for the Rockies because uh, I really want to stick in the mental skills arena. And then, uh, you know, obviously three or four years later, this came up. But, you know, the, the origination of this whole thing started in La Crosse, Wisconsin, when I was coaching uh, Tyler Service. Was that summer League? The college yeah, summer Northwoods, League? Northwoods Summer League. Talk a little bit about, at the player level, you know, probably major league, but certainly AAA on down, Players periodically have sit-downs with their coaches and managers, talk about their plan periodically through the year. Yeah. Does that coordinate, does that feed back up through you to kind of manage that process? Correct. So we'll have an individualized player plan that we will be creating in, in spring training for every player. And the way this process will work is that basically every 25 days, that player will sit down with his plan, with his coaching staff and his affiliate to – uh, update the plan, to check in on the plan, to monitor progress, 
Uh, we're trying to measure everything. And so we, we've got these uh, you know, measurable goals in place. And as those goals are met, maybe some of those things get checked off the plan and moved over to from being a weakness to a strength. And so that communication is happening about every 25 days with every player in the system. That information will be, will be going online, so I have access to it. So if you look at our affiliates through the, through the system, you know, every morning there should be five or six updated player plans. Um, so when I go into town, the player plan actually drives everything. You know, I should know exactly what this player's doing, what drills he's doing, how he's doing them, what his goals are for it, and that, you know, information is, is free-flowing throughout the uh, system. So as a player progresses, say you sign a, a high school player, and in, say, four years he, he gets to the major leagues, at that point, you know, he should have had about 30 player plan meetings. And that's all been documented, it's all housed, it's all cataloged, and it follows them throughout the system and then ultimately lands in, in Scott's hands, where again, you're creating, you, you've now built a, a picture of, you can go online, you can look at the numbers, but beneath the numbers, you can now look at the process that created the numbers, and it just follows them through the major league level. And that would, uh, you know, that would be ideal, and, and that's what we'll be implementing. At least initially, is it, Andy, is it more important that you have, you get the, the lower levels and the younger players to buy into this plan, or do you need the major league level players to? understand and, and be part of this. Well, that's the beauty of what we're doing. You know, th there's, there's no separation. You know, there are players, and it's, it's our system. And so, um, you know, the, the terms I'm using, the, uh, the standards I'm setting are the same ones that Scott is setting. And so, uh, you know, I think to obviously to impact wins and losses at the major league level, getting the, those players on board faster would probably help but I think we're attacking all of them the exact same, which is, you know, this is what we do. This is what defines being a Mariner. And uh, the sooner you can get on board with it and start believing what we believe, uh, the cumulative power will, will be there and it'll translate into wins. So the big league players will have these plans as well? Oh, no, in terms of uh, the overall philosophy, the, the plans themselves, I'm not sure of. Um, I know at the minor league level we will. Anything else? Yeah, what's the, um, the plan or what, how much can you share on Mike Zanino? Yeah, uh, not a lot. Uh, there, <laughs> there is a plan, but, you know, in terms of the specific players, you know, I've been here three months, and outside of the 15 kids that I was with in, in Peoria, um, you know, my, my knowledge base is what I've read and what I've been told, uh, of which I'm sure most of it is accurate. Um, I have talked with Mike, and... Uh, but in terms of really creating a plan, um, it would not be in place until we've all been there and seen it with our own eyes. But between myself and, and uh, Jerry and Scott, you know, we're all new to, to, to him. Uh, but I don't think we're new to that situation. And what I can tell you is that we still believe in him 100%. We believe in the talent. We believe in the person. And just like the earlier example we talked about, this, he's not the first person that's gone through something like this. And uh, he will get back to where he needs to be. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just in the first chapter of writing his book. And there's a lot of books still left to write for him. 25 days is what the period is? 20, the, the On the player plans? Yeah. Uh, roughly. Because it, 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 it just works in a cycle where each staff, each minor league staff, will sit with a player a day. So if you have roughly 25 players, and there's plus or minus. So, you know, once a month, roughly.
What else? Is that it? That's it. Okay. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Andy, thank you.